wellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to A Quirky Journey, the healthy family podcast with your hosts, Joe Witten and Fuad Kassab. Hello, everyone. Welcome to A Quirky Journey. I'm so excited about this week's podcast. Um, we actually have part one and part two because we talked so long that it divided it we divided itself into two podcasts. We talked for two hours, <laughs> but that's because it was just so fascinating. I think you're really going to get a lot out of this podcast. So I want to introduce you to my very good friend, Lucy McCulloch, and she lives in the USA. She is kind of a citizen of the world though, because she's lived just about everywhere. Um, London, Milan, Rome, Paris, Hong Kong, all over. <laughs> and um, she's gone through life facing all sorts of health issues, which partly came from her environment um, and also partly genetics, as we often talk about um, genetics, load the gun, but your environment pulls the trigger. So um, she has kindly come onto this podcast to tell us her story and to share with us lots and lots of great practical ideas for making your home a healthy um, sanctuary from the world. Um, and that's what she does best. So Lucy is an interior designer and not only does she design homes to be absolutely beautiful and comfortable and gorgeous and when you see the photos of the homes that you've designed that she's designed you'll just be amazed. Um, but she doesn't, it's not all about aesthetics. It's not all about, you know, having a beautiful home. It's about having a home where you can hide away from the world and actually heal. And this has been very important in her family because of her health issues and her children. And she's needed to really um, have that kind of home where they can be safe from um, all sorts of toxins and the things that you know, we all have to cope with out in the everyday world. It's nice to have somewhere to go home and rest. Um, and another exciting thing about this podcast is that it leads into our really big news, which is Lucy has invited myself and Elise to um, host a gut health retreat in her ski lodge in the Italian Alps. So as you can imagine, we are pretty excited. <laughs> um, Lucy asked us last year, well, asked me about it last year, and of course my answer was immediately, yes, let's work this out, definitely. Um, Lucy has a beautiful 350-year-old chalet up in the Alps near Piedmont, which is near Turin. And um, in the summer, it's just the most beautiful place to be because you're right on the edge of a national park that is full of nutrition, um, sorry, um, medicinal herbs. There's um, local producers of cheeses and honey and all sorts of delicious traditionally produced foods up there in the mountains. There's markets, there's um, truffle hunting, but not at that time. Yeah, sadly, um, <laughs> but I really want to go for the truffle hunting. Um, it's an absolutely gorgeous place, and she has. Um, sh she'll talk about this in the podcast, but she has completely redesigned the um, chalet to 
modernize it and still using all the traditional building techniques and a local architect helped her with this Um, and it's a very restful place because it's completely free of um, the usual contaminants in homes and it also is just a gorgeous restful place to be um, because of where it is so it's made out of stone Um, oh you've got to look at the photos I'll put a link at the on the show notes Um, and it's yeah it's amazing so um, even the people that have stayed there like Jamie Oliver and all these celebrities just love it and have put really good reviews on it Um, so yeah Lucy has invited us to do a gut health retreat there and we're super excited as you can imagine Um, the retreat page will be up tomorrow um, hopefully by the time this podcast has been released and we'll have the link on the show notes so go and have a look in this podcast we mostly talk about um, Lucy's journey towards better health and what she had to learn along the way and how um, the effect of her environment how, what that what that had on her living in a moldy environment um, suffering from all sorts of illnesses and how she worked it out and what she did to improve her health and also what she did to improve the health of her home. Um, and she talks about studying building biology and things that she's learnt um, along the way. So red flags for when you are trying to figure out what's going on with your health and you can't figure it out. Red flags that show that it's something environmental. Um, there's all sorts of tips for what kinds of materials to buy to use in your home for decorating what kinds of furniture what kinds of paints Um, and she also just gives us lots of great advice on healthy living so enjoy the podcast part two will be here the week later the week um, after this one And then we'll be all caught up and we'll get back to our usual um, fortnightly podcasts. So um, if you would like to know more about the retreat in Italy, it's going to be two weeks in June. So you go either week, not both weeks. We can go both if you want. (laughs) If you just love us so much that you want to be there for both weeks. Um, So Elise and I will be there the whole time. It's a very intimate retreat. There's only six bedrooms in the ski lodge, so you can either come and have a a room to yourself or you can bring your partner and um, have a double room. Well, all the rooms are doubles and they've all got their own ensuite. Um, Each room is designed individually by local carpenters to be a world of its own. Um, It's an absolutely amazing place. And there's um, lots of activities that will do gentle, calm activities, nothing too um, strenuous. So don't worry if you're not very fit. Um, I'm I'm talking about things like nature walks um, through the national park, um, you know, gentle exercise each morning if you want to do that, Um, walking down to the local markets and shops, walking walking to local producers and seeing them make cheeses and things like that. And, of course, you'll be cooking with me every day. Um, We'll have cooking workshops each day and we'll all eat the food that we cook as well as there is a chef there at the ski lodge who um, will be cooking traditional Italian food with a gut health perspective. Um, And she's amazing. 
from what I've heard. I can't wait to taste her food. Um, and we have all sorts of um, teaching times built into the days, but in a very natural way. So a lot of discussion and working through um, health issues and things like that with Elise. Um, Elise is also an exercise um, ah, scientist. So she'll be running the exercise side of things. But as I said, it's very gentle because this is a healing retreat and it's all about helping you to work towards um, finding what you need to do to take the next steps to be well. So if you'd like to come along and if you feel like um, you want some more information about it, go and have a look at the site. Um, you'll see on the show notes where the link is. But basically, um, you'll be able to find it on my blog if you just go to Quirky Cooking and you'll also be able to find it on Lucy's website, Beta1697. Enjoy the podcast. Sorry for rambling on. I'm a bit excited if you can't tell. (laughs) And I hope you have a lovely week. Welcome, Lucy. So good to have you on the podcast. Hi, Joe. Hello. Hi, Elise. Hello. And Elise. Lovely my, to be here. My best buddy, Elise, is here too. <laughs> it's going to be so fun hanging out with you guys in Italy. Oh, I'm jumping ahead. <laughs> I can't help the myself. The podcast. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. But first of all, let's talk about you, Lucy. So um, I've told you guys a little bit about Lucy in the intro, but Lucy, we'd love to hear your story and you know, how you came to be interested in building biology and the health of our homes. Sure. All right. I'll dive in. Dive in. Um, excuse any lack of chronological order and I may jump around <laughs> a little bit, but I will <laughs> do my very best. So I guess going back to the very beginning where it all begins, right? The, yep. um, the start in life back in 1975 happened to be in the States, despite my accent. Um, <laughs> and um, I would say potentially a little bit of a rough start. Um, not wasn't I wasn't breastfed because it was that time when, of course, you know, certainly here, mums um, were told not to bother. It was just a bit of a hassle, um, and um, and it was also you know bang smack in the middle of the boom of all the processed foods, um, and so I was deemed to be lactose intolerant, um, which I think I found out in later in life I'm absolutely not, but. Something was obviously not quite right, and I was put on one of those soy formulas, you know, laced with corn syrup and everything else that came out of the 70s. Um, So anyway, you know, I've only looked back at that consequently to try and sort of put the pieces together and figure out what went wrong. But um, we, you know, progressed into teens and then ended up getting um, just repeat tonsil what in England what we call tonsillitis I think in America what they call probably strep but some sort of throat infection um and ended up literally on antibiotics probably every two to four weeks I, I went off wow. to boarding school um came back for what we call you know the exiat the long weekend to to be with my, at my parents house for the long weekend and the minute I got back home boom got the tonsillitis Mm. Um, and really the only way to get back to school at that time was to you know take the antibiotics and um, it was also a time when I didn't think we don't think we really realized the damage that was being done I certainly had absolutely no clue my mum didn't have any clue that it was going to be 
having such an impact on my health and my gut. Um, so fast forward sort of, I guess, um, six, six, no, four to six years, finished university, went through university in the typical style that any English girl goes through <laughs> university. <laughs> um, it was fun, put it that way. <laughs> um, what did you actually do at university? Oh, I did. So, yeah, good point. Um, I did. Um, I studied French and Italian. Okay. And that, that, was, um, that, was, that was my big... Um, my big love in life was languages. So I um, mm. went to the beautiful city of Bath in England and um, <laughs> studied, um, studied French and Italian and had a lot of fun. Um, and then left, I actually, I went, I did, I did a year abroad in, we had to do half of it in France and half of it in Italy. Um, and I had to, I chose Oh, I chose the wrong subjects at uni. Yeah, right. <laughs> I know. I have to say, I think I think languages was definitely. I I, I had my eye on the prize. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So I went to um. I went. I, what I really wanted to do was I wanted to try my two big passions in life at the time were fashion and antiques. Mm-hmm. Um. And so I wanted really wanted to try both. And um. I did have a job lined up in. Um, Paris in fashion that fell through. So I ended up sort of part-time working in um, Louvre des Antiquaires, which is one of the big antique places right in the center of Paris, which was, which was fun. And then I, I remember going out, to, going out to the pub the last night that I was in Paris, knowing that I had to go to Italy the next day and not knowing where the heck I was going to go and what I was going to do and where I was going to work. And I met an Italian girl from who had lit, grown up between England and Sardinia, whose sister was the head of Valentino press wow. office. Um, and I landed on my feet and I ended up working in the press office in Valentino in Rome, the head office, wow. <laughs> um, for six months whilst I was there. Um, and then whilst I was there, I met, the, I met a bunch of people that introduced me to the Ralph Lauren team up in Milan. Um, <laughs> And was was very much called on to go to Milan, and I didn't. I really wanted to go back and finish my studies, so I ended up saying, "No, no, no, no! I'm not coming to Milan. I'm staying in Rome. I'm going back to Bath to finish my last year of university. I'm going to get graduated. I've got this far. I'm going to finish it off." And um, call me on the 23rd of June or whatever it is. That's when I graduate. If you still want me to come to Milan. And I got a call on the 23rd of June. Wow, how about that? <laughs> so I ended up in Milan. And, um, and that was when, I will say, I had probably the most fun of my life, but where everything really started to go downhill after a couple of years. Um, I was living by myself. I don't do too well living by myself. <laughs> mm. um, I was probably not eating very well. I was, you know, in the thick of Milan fashion life. Um, and um, I ended up from one day to the next, actually on a flight, and not the world's best flyer either, believe it or not, um, ended up having what I now know was a panic attack. But what mm. at the time I thought was, of course, me dying, because that's oh, what they thought. Like. Um, so, yeah, that was sort of, I guess, probably mid-20s. Um, and I just couldn't really figure it out. And I just, you know, I went, I came back to England and I, you know, temporarily and I got worked up by the doctors for just everything. And I was told that I was, 
you know, completely crazy. And I was told that maybe I had Parkinson's and I was told all these things. Um, And, you know, of course there was no talk back then of gut or health or looking after your body or how that could ever, you know, play a part on what was going on in your brain. Um, So um, I think my bucket just completely overflowed um, and ended up moving back to England, um, had about five or six months off. Then I went into, um, went actually got a job at Vogue in London. So had this wonderful experience of being in the, in Vogue house in the center of London for a couple of years. Um, and then we got moved to Hong Kong. I met my husband, um, or my husband to be, and we got moved to, um, Hong Kong, Mm -hmm. um, where we lived for, uh, 10 years. Yeah. Just short of 10 years. That was for his work. For his work. Yeah, exactly. And, um, and I realized at that time that we start, we got married and we started to try and have babies. And I just ended up having one miscarriage after the next. Mm. Um, and I came back to London again and got worked up for a whole load of things. And at that point, I realized that there was a bunch of things. Going on. I actually got directed to a, um, after I think my eighth or ninth miscarriage, I got directed to a um, clinic in Chicago by my wonderful OBGYN in Hong Kong and um and they worked me up for all these genetic markers and sure enough the ones that you ladies will be very familiar with the MTHFR and Mm -hmm. a bunch of other gene mutations came up um which just really inhibit detox and obviously that that life that I had lived up until that point (laughs) needed some detoxing (laughs) Um, and it wasn't getting it um and funnily enough, you know, consequently, I found out things like the house, the, the, the flats that we were living in Hong Kong um, were closest to the biggest cell tower on the whole of the island and things like that, which, you know, I didn't know anything about at the time. Um, but anyway, I did have a finally had a successful pregnancy with the help of this reproductive immuno- immunology team in Chicago um, and then was preg- got pregnant again. And I was sitting in my flat in Hong Kong, um, about four months pregnant, and I was sneezing about, I mean, I, I don't think I'm exaggerating. I'd say probably two to 300 times a day. It was oh. just nonstop. And I ended up in hospital because they kept on thinking that I was having pulmonary embolisms because I couldn't breathe. But all that was happening, I was sneezing so much that I was... Um, I was getting um, little pulling little chest muscles and it was, you know, really restrictive, restricting my breathing. So we made a decision halfway through the pregnancy to get the heck out because we realized that I was reacting to something. Um, And we were kind of on our way at that stage um, to either Europe. Well, we thought Europe. Um, We have this beautiful ski lodge in the Italian Alps and we wanted to be closer to that (laughs) um and um but anyway the long and short of it was that we ended up in a small little town outside Boston um where I have a um vascular condition that I was born with and the specialist is at Boston Children's and so I wanted to sort of see through the rest of the pregnancy um having originally had a blood clot with the first pregnancy I wanted to see it through in Boston so we decided to move here um, with our three kids I had we had adopt we have adopted an adopted eldest daughter 
Um, and um, so, well, well, with our two and a half kids, I should say, two and one in the tummy. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so we arrived here and all I, kn- all I knew at this stage is that I felt like a different person. I got out of the flat in Hong Kong and I felt much, much better. Um, and of course, I was living in fresh air and Hong Kong is relatively polluted, as I'm sure you know. And so I really didn't know what it was. I didn't think that moving flats in Hong Kong was necessarily going to resolve it. So that wasn't really an option. I just needed to get somewhere completely different. I, I think, you know, you have that mama instinct when you're yeah. pregnant, you can run. And I just needed to escape. Um, my poor husband was told from one day to the next, we're ejecting. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so um, we got here and um, we found this house that we weren't really supposed to buy because we were supposed to rent, <laughs> um, fell in love with this house. <laughs> and we're sort of sitting in this house. And six weeks later, the truck arrives on the driveway and I'm sitting out the front at this stage, eight and a half months pregnant. And the back of the truck opens and they start offloading the furniture and I start sneezing again. Mm. exact same aggressive uncontrollable I'm having a reaction to something sneezing Um, and that was the first sign really that there was probably something heavily environmental in my environment in Hong Kong that was now on that truck um, or had been spread onto that truck you know through furniture Um, so the um the guys that were driving the truck got a lot of nice furniture. Oh, <laughs> wow. Didn't bring any of it into the house. Oh, wow. So that was kind of where I decided it was we this beautiful English-style house that we had fallen in love with um, needed a little renovation because, of course, when you're eight months pregnant in a high-risk pregnancy, why would you not buy a house that you need to renovate? Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, especially so, yeah, we, we have a couple we, of kids, right? <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. Um, so we decided to um, embark on a renovation, and you know, we all know what renovations are like, right? They mm-hmm. snowball. They become things that you. Um, we didn't know, we, we, we didn't think we were going to be here for as long as we probably are. We knew that at one point we were going to have to sell the house, but at the same time, I really wanted to have fun doing it. I'd fallen, so one, yeah, there you go. I missed, I missed a big part. I'd fallen from fashion into interior design in Hong Kong. That oh, yes, you forgot what that. had happened in the 10 years in Hong Kong <laughs> um, <laughs> alongside the miscarriages and, and the figuring out the health stuff. Mm. Um, and, um, and loved interior design. But I remember thinking, going into these places, these, you know, sort of penthouse units in Hong Kong, and literally ripping out a brand new kitchen. And thinking, oh my God, why am I doing this? This is because they wanted to change the style. Yeah, they just wanted a different style. It was a, you know, it was a new, it was new ownership, and Mm. therefore new, new. So I sort of, I remember now that I'm working with so much more environmental conscience and just health, you know, Mm. we'll get on to building biology in a minute. But um, I just remember, I look back now and I'm like, wow, that really disrupted my brain that I was having to throw this amazing stuff that was probably also super toxic um, down a chute and back down into our our lovely earth. so yeah, so that was kind of how I real, you know, with the renovation that was going on here, 
I realized that I needed to figure out a way to make it healthy. Um, and we were going to live in it. We were going to try and live in it. We didn't live in it the whole way through the renovation, but we were going to try and live in it, which is probably nothing I would ever recommend anyone should ever do. But um, <laughs> while we renovating, yeah, yeah, you you live and learn, right? Um, yeah, so we're still learning, but um, but yeah, we um, I we got to the point where we needed a we needed a um, an insulation for for an, a certain area that we were renovating, and um, and I was like, oh my god. All the, all the insulation that I can see here is this spray foam insulation. And that's what's recommended to meet the energy standards and everything that you need. But these guys are coming in here in the full-on gas mask suits. Mm. So how healthy can this possibly yeah. be? <laughs> yeah. um, so anyway, I ended up um, through people in the village, a woman that runs a lovely farm-to-table restaurant to, fun- funnily enough, <coughs> excuse me, has had her um had her children on a mixture of gaps and Western Aid price for the last um I'd say twenty five years. Wow. Um yeah, so she's I think we landed in a town in in America with the only gaps friendly restaurant. And this is when we, <laughs> this is when we were starting. Oh, well that? <laughs> Unbelievable. You better I mean, mention really the name in case anyone travels there. Yeah, it's called Woods Hill Table. Um, and it's in Concord. We're in Concord, Massachusetts, which is a gorgeous little town where the start of the American Revolution was, actually. Yes, so yeah. ironically, it's full of English people because we tend to come back to <laughs> come back for more and annoy them. <laughs> they got us out and we're, we're keeping yeah, that's back. Right. Like, like, we'll show English you. We'll take over yeah. again. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, she's got Woods Hill Table in Concord, which is this gorgeous little historical town that we live in. Beautiful. And then she's just opened Woods Hill Table or Woods Hill at Pier 4 in the center of Boston, right on the water, mm. um, which is gorgeous. And she opened a, you, go, you girls will love this, she opened a fast food, organic, <gasps> um, Western Aid price Mexican. No. Well. <laughs> I think I'd fly yeah. there just for that. Yeah, Honestly, I, I mean, Maybe I can't we'll believe it. Maybe we'll have to next go to trip. America for the Western A Price Conference. Next yeah, year. good idea. Good idea. <laughs> she was the she was the chapter leader for oh. um, here for many many okay. many years, and um, you may even know she um, she released a documentary called Farmageddon. Oh, oh wow! Did she do that one? Oh, she wow. did that. So she, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I'd say we went, when we arrived uh, alongside high-risk pregnancy, newborn, and renovation, we decided to start GAPS um, mm. because we realized that... Because you didn't have enough on your plate. You know, didn't have enough on your plate, exactly. <laughs> and so, you know, that first period of GAPS, it's kind oh, of yeah. hard to go anywhere. Yes. <laughs> um, so we didn't really go anywhere. But just as we got to the point where we could start to maybe think about eating out and trusting, you know, other people's pans and stuff like that, <laughs> she opened the restaurant within, oh, you know, eight so you, maybe you should um, link us up with her too. We could do a podcast about the farm. You again. absolutely should. You <laughs> that would should. Be good. Definitely, yeah. yeah. And she's just on fire. She's, you know, she's just opened these restaurants in quick Amazing. succession. Actually, she opened it um, together with, um, at, well, I know at the beginning, Hilary Boynton from the Heal Your Gut Cookbook. Okay. Oh, yeah. She was yeah. involved in it. She's from Concord. Or okay. They're, they're from, she lived in Concord for many years. Okay. Um, she now lives over in um, Topanga in California and is um, starting a lunch or has started a lunch lady movement for oh. good food in schools. 
Well, that's good. Um, all Western Aid Prize stuff. Yeah. So anyway, Kristen from Woods Hill Table, I went to her and I was like, oh, I know you've, you know, you've done a sort of sustainable restaurant. You might know something about insulation and where I can figure this out because I, you know, have no clue where to go. I, you know, I wouldn't have even, I would in Hong Kong, I would have relied on a contractor, but I also didn't really have any concern about, you know, mm. all of this stuff at this stage because it really had happened you know, during that summer that we moved, or spring summer that we moved here, that I realized that there was, you know, we were having big reactions to stuff. Um, and, um, and she said to me, listen, I don't really know, but there's a lady down the road who runs the natural home store. And I went to her and she was so super helpful. And she had all these incredible products. And I ended up using a lot of her suggestions. Um, and she said to me, listen, you know what? I'm going to put you on to two um, designers, architects. Um, and so I spoke to two of these. One of the designers was a local lady who had a daughter who also, because we had realized at this stage that Mimi was definitely reacting to something as well. Mm. Um, and the sort of funny thing is, of course, is that she's adopted. So mm. it really makes me think that we had some exposure, the two of us. It wasn't just um, the genetics. <laughs> not just the genetics, exactly. So the genetics probably didn't help. But um, and, um, and so I spoke to this lady and she said, she gave me a little bit of advice. And then the next person I spoke to is a lady called Paula Baker Laporte, who is um, basically the... Um, the main teacher at the Institute of Building Biology um, down in Santa Fe. And um, she gave me 15 minutes of, you know, architect to designer free advice. And this is what you can do. And I was like, oh my God, this is a whole new world that I have mm. to know more about before I embark on this. Um, and Monday, the first course started and I was on a flight. <laughs> <laughs> had so. you had your baby by then? Yeah, I'd had the baby by okay. then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah this <laughs> was probably you and baby were was, off to do building biology. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this was probably a year. Okay. A year after he was born. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think it was when we were embarking on our second renovation. It was we'd done the okay. first renovation. We'd done the first renovation using conventional standard stuff. That was sort of whilst he was whilst he was being born. And then the second <laughs> renovation, I was like, you know what, I can't get this. I just don't think I can afford to get this wrong. We're clearly sensitive and um, I want to learn more about it. And I kept on going back to that thought in Hong Kong of, gosh, if there's a, you know, Paula managed to, in 15 minutes, managed to absolutely sell building biology to me as the only movement that takes into consideration you know, both ecology and occupant health. And I was like, mm. this is perfect. This is the epitome of luxury. This is what I need to be doing. <laughs> so that was, that was how I ended up starting um, in the world of building biology. And as you know, once you know, you don't go back. <laughs> yeah, the, you can't unlearn it then. And then suddenly you've exactly. got all these things to think of. Did you exactly. find it quite overwhelming at first? Yeah, I, I have think to I'm say, still at the overwhelmed stage. <laughs> I still, I still go. To, so I've been down to Santa Fe now um, three times, and I still, and I just got certified after four and a half years. Good on um, you. Well, you've got little. Week little ones so wow yeah yeah it takes it take it does it, it is a long course it's a very very comprehensive course which is good so you know hopefully mm. you should know what you're talking about at the end of it yeah um, but um I did I do remember leaving Santa Santa Fe is such a gorgeous place and it just 
it lends itself to um, learning about, you know, health and um, the environment. It's just a really wonderful place. But I do remember leaving thinking, oh my gosh, it's so much. And so many people are doing it wrong. Am I going to make any difference if I if it's just me doing it right. Mm. Um, and so I, you know, four years on, I'm sort of trying my hardest to get it out to the press as much as I can. And got a couple of stories coming out in architectural digest and a couple of other magazines. So I feel like the people that I've been speaking to recently and doing these magazine interviews with are really, really already a little bit knowledgeable about all of this. Um, which is really surprising for me. So that's really reassuring that it's not. I'm, that I'm not there. Sorry, say again, Elise. Yeah, that just that really gives me hope to you know. Yeah, yeah, because it can feel that overwhelm of like, well, so many people are doing it in this way, and how are we going to really change anything? Exactly, exactly. So the more people that you speak to, you know, every day it's like, oh, I just spoke to someone who didn't get it at all, and then you speak to someone who. who shocks you with a piece of information that they have that you're like how do you even know that that's amazing um and that kind of you know keeps you going (laughs) and I think it's really a matter of planting the seed for a lot of people yes might just be the first person they hear it from and then they hear it somewhere else that's right and And you have to to hear it over and over before it starts to sink in I know it was like that for me yeah exactly Um, both with gut health and with mold and with all these things it's like Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. This doesn't really apply to me. Wait a minute. This does apply to me. Go back, go back. When I'm trying to, when I, I feel, I feel bad when I try and address mold with my clients sometimes, mm-hmm. cause I feel like I'm putting, it's like they're blissfully unaware. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm just like, you know, open- that's my bubble. Know, yeah. like, that's what it feels like. I feel like really guilty. I'm like, well, and I'm like just gently <laughs> bubble for them. Yeah really like like you did for me Elise I did for you yes that it's like (laughs) okay well I think you need to look at this and it's opening this massive door so how Mm. how do you tread with that with people with kind of introducing them to this world of well actually maybe your house is making you sick and all your belongings in it yeah how to then address that I guess maybe there is no easy way (laughs) So, uh, do you know what? I'm probably not the most diplomatic person. <laughs> I was about to say, Lucy probably just tells them. <laughs> <laughs> I have I have a really good friend who um, keeps getting sick with um, with uh, um, pulmonary stuff, and mm. I I can smell mold on. I mean, this happens to me on a regular basis. You know, once you're super sensitive to it you can't you you're compelled to help people as well you know you we're in this for a reason right we've got Mm. that character that we feel compelled to be out there to help helping people so ignoring it doesn't really help um not really so I do tend to just um you know kind of say you know I can I, yeah, I think that if you're dealing with this health issue you should really look into mold in the best best way I possibly can and, you know, then it's up to them. Um, yeah. And I think, as is the case, as you guys know, it's only when you really need to do it that you do it. You, exactly. you know, That's not, right. It's, it's, it's not the, fun. It's the same with health. It's the same with houses. It's when you get desperate enough, you go, okay, no matter exactly. how hard this is, I have to take a step in the direction. Yeah. Exactly. To do something. 
Yeah, exactly. and I know I've definitely been in the position of having having my head in the sand about mould. Like mm. it wasn't until after the fact of moving out of this place that I was in that I finally admitted to myself that mould was making myself and my son so sick. And we right. took a lot of our things with us and then it's only been now that I got rid of all my very, very, very expensive bedding. Yeah. Like, oh. you know, $2,000 worth of bedding of, yeah. Uh, organic wool mattresses and that kind of thing and I've just replaced it all and I'm in a new place that hasn't had any of that stuff in it no furnishings that were ever in that mold place I've really you know to right. really come to terms with it and replace right. it takes yeah. a long time you've got to let yeah. go of a lot yeah. of your past and mm. and that's not you know that's not always necessary at all but um but yeah I mean I, I was reading something um just couple days ago about a um, study that Dr. Klinghart, you know, the very well-known Lyme um, doctor, um, he did a study back in 2011 in Switzerland, which showed that um, he was doing it. It was was basically trying to show whether electromagnetic fields, you know, promote mold growth. Um, And um, so he had had all these mold spores in his lab and when it was exposed to the regular EMF in the lab. So the lab happened to be, you know, relatively near a cell tower, not, not right underneath one, but relatively near one. Then there was all the wireless stuff inside and people were phones and whatnot. Um, in comparison to when the mold was covered with, you know, a protective shielding layer, they, the mold spores produced 600 times more biotoxins than were covered with the shielding material. That's scary. It's not just one thing. This is the thing about building biology. And this is what I find so fascinating and where it totally differs from any other green, healthy wellness um, building movement is that we're looking, I think we're the only ones looking at the whole picture and how the things all work together Mm, because We're not just looking at, you know, mold. We're not just looking at climate and energy and focusing just solely on energy saving. Um, we're looking at all of this stuff together and trying to get, you know, the, the right indoor air quality, the right, the, the, the sanctuary, the place where you go to regenerate and allow your cells to do what they need to do at night to get you through the next day. Because let's face it, I mean, we all know this at this stage. I think this is pretty common knowledge that there's a lot out there. You know, in the in the 70s or even maybe earlier, it was, so there was an introduction of 85,000 chemicals oh in, during that period. And the EPA has tested 300 of them. Wow. Um, and I don't actually know off the top of my head how many of those 300 have gone out of circulation. But if you think about it now, you know, bromine, which is used as the fire retardant mm. in all these self-care products, it, it was used in like face creams and... yeah. Exactly. And perfumes and yeah. Yep. What is yep. it actually for? And flour in America is it still? A- and in yep, the brominated flour exactly. I what learned that when I moved here. I was still busy eating happily eating bread, and one of the doctors, and this is a pretty standard doctor in a hospital in an immunology clinic, said to me, "You've got MTHFR gene mutation. You can't detox folic acid and all the rest of the stuff." that is put in the bread in America. And wow. I was like, gosh. So I made sure that all the pastries I ate were made with Italian flour. <laughs> <laughs> and Joe, bromine is, that comes into the iodine thing. It's like, yeah, it does. Bromine pushes your iodine out. But I'm just wondering exactly. why they add it to bread. What does it do? I think it's something to do with 
making it rise with bread. I'm yeah. not sure. I, I know for furniture, it's a fire retardant. Yeah. Um, it's a bit like ice cream with fire retardants in it and all yeah. that. Exactly. Oh, scary um, stuff. So yeah, you know, all of these things that you're we're constantly bombarded with during the day, at least when you, you know, get home to your place, you need to be able to, you know, the concept is to try and allow your body to to regenerate during that time. So interesting. So could you give us a bit of an idea for our listeners um what kind of things you should look for? to know if your house is making you sick, <laughs> your environment, your, you know, whether, what, what are the red flags that you can think of? Right. Well, I have to say, I'm obviously not the smartest person when it comes to this because my husband said to me the other day, Lucy, do you not remember that huge, like gaping hole in the wall that was filled with black stuff in our flat in Hong Kong? <laughs> like, okay. That's no. a red flag. <laughs> So I guess that would be a red flag. Um, sure. And I was not prepared to even go there with any of that. Mm. Um, but, um, and as you know, exactly what we said, it wasn't until I got really sick that I realized um, that I needed to do something and wake up and listen to it. So I, I find that a hard one, to be honest, because I haven't, it's not like I've been through, I mean, I guess mine was pretty clear when I moved here, but I was so bamboozled with having a baby and moving continents and you know you're not sure what was the yeah and thank goodness when that truck arrived and I started sneezing again I was like oh hello okay this is a direct indicator well this don't always get that direct indicator but this is something that Elise told me when I was wondering if we had mold issues Mm -hmm. um she said do you feel better when you go away on a trip and when you come back do you start sneezing again and I'm like yes (laughs) <laughs> right and exactly. that was a big that was a big sign and coughing like There's that dry cough I think we'd been away and then you said oh I'm feeling like this I'm like Joe it's mold yeah yeah yeah, yeah. or yeah. alternatively if you go somewhere and you know like I went somewhere to do a photo shoot and I know the place has mold mm. um I can smell it I mean I'm very yeah. sensitive to it now and I don't think I ever was as sensitive to it yeah same it fills um, you then yeah. become a canary in the in the coal mine, um, yeah. and I remember thinking, "Oh my god, I feel dreadful here. I'm so tired. I'm so yes." Um, so you know that that to me is a confirmation that I've definitely got you know some some issue with mold, but it could be electromagnetic stuff. I mean, there's 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 a lot you know there's a massive amount of research out there about how this bombardment of electromagnetic um, fields mm. is having an effect on us so So it's hard hard to figure out what it could be but I definitely agree being out of the house feeling better out of your house um feeling better even you know just I mean nature that's one of the big Mm. things about building biology is the the study of you know biophilia and how we as humans are much happier in nature which is why we try to use natural products and Mm. you know live in it basically live in nature make our houses out of nature Mm. um and um so yeah i think if you if you've got a if you've got a dead set sign like that you're lucky um and you can work with it you know really effectively and quickly and jump on it but for a lot of people i think it's it's a you know it does end up being a longer journey but i do think that there are so many things that you can do to instantly feel better um you know as of 
today listening to this podcast that would that can help um whether it's putting an air filter in a really good air filter whether it's just turning off your wi-fi at night and you know who's using the wi-fi at night at the end of the day um let yourself you know give yourself the break by potentially changing out a few toxic pieces of furniture that you might have particularly carpets carpets tend to be something that just harbor everything and anything mm. you can um so yeah it's i would say it's it's a hard one to figure it out it's not always straightforward um do you but, have any suggestions elise that you want to mention on red flags well as from a practitioner perspective the way I would get to the point of suspecting something environmental. It is something I usually ask questions around that right from the start when I'm talking to an, a, a new client. Um, and I, I kind of ask the, uh, if anyone's heard of chronic inflammatory response syndrome or SERD, mm. um, uh-huh. kind of call that mold illness. Right. I, I ask the kind of general symptom questions of that, um, the matrix of symptoms that come along with that, just to get an idea, an indication if I'm suspecting it in any way. Um, yeah. And I do ask questions like if they've been, you know, the whole, have you, when you're out of your house, do you feel better? And it's kind of like when I'm looking at the picture of their health history, I can, I, I find it's clear if they haven't had health issues their whole life, that's when I feel it's clearer to say it's environmental because they'll be like, yeah well, you know, as a child, I was this, I was this, I was healthy. You know, they yeah. don't have that normal gap story of like, which I have the normal gap story of things I had going on as a child. And I also have same, the same with Lucy. Mm, yeah, yeah. So it doesn't mean that it won't happen, but it's like, especially in those situations where I can see, well, you were fine and fine. And like, and then something's happened. So that to me, I'm like, okay, well, we're, that's clearly environmental, whether it's mold or something else. Um, Something's been turned That's on. That's really interesting, actually, Elise, yeah. because that 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 probably completely sums up what I'm trying to say. Maybe if you've got an, if you've had an overload from a young age, you know, at all the things that I talked about the mm. the corn syrup soy formula and the processed food and the um, you were already at tipping water. point. Yeah, and it all just rolls into one. Like, how do yeah. you? You probably haven't really ever felt good health. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but if you've got a sudden onset of something, it's much easier. Yeah. And so for my people that have had, you know, that lifetime of all of this, and that was kind of me, that's probably why I didn't realize it was mold. Um, yeah. I had the lifetime of not terribly ill, but just all these niggly things that got worse mm, as I got same. older. Um, yeah. and so with those people, it's like we're doing gaps, which is what I'll always do with people anyway, unless I know they're in mold, we definitely want to get out of it. But it's always yeah. kind of gaps, healing, everything first. And it's when we're doing all of that and we can see healing happening, but then there's still something going on, which was like you, Joe. Mm-hmm. Um, and that it's like, well, we've done all this healing. We can see things have changed. We can see how much your health has improved, but then there's still something and it's not another piece. It's chronic and it's what's, what's this piece. So that's when I would then go environmental. So my clients that I've worked with for two years or more, when it's really hard to resolve, when we've seen improvements that GAPS brings with healing, but there's something else, that's when I start saying to them, like, we need to think about the environmental factors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yeah. Good. <clears throat> so you mentioned an air purifier before. That's something I've never really done or looked into. Is that something everybody should have? 
Well, I mean, honestly, I, I, I think I'm in, you know, we're saying the same thing. You say, get out of it. That's your, that's your number one. If you've got, if you're suspecting mold and you can get a specialist in who confirms that there's mold, you need to cut it out. You need to get it out of your life one way or another, whether it's you leaving the house or whether it's you, you know, cutting it out. I mean, in this, in this renovation of this house, and we've really only just finished it because I was busy studying as I was doing it. And so I didn't want to go too fast because I wanted to implement what I was studying. Um, we've had, since, since we finished it, we've had two water, three water entries. Oh. And I just cannot, you know, I can't believe it. But anyway, um, one was from a radiator um, and one was um, that came down through the pantry. One was from a burst pipe because in Massachusetts we get a lot of hmm. frozen pipes um, and this new anti-freeze, never freeze pipe didn't quite work the way it was supposed to. Hmm. Um, and um, I can't remember, one was from something else, but in all, oh, one was from a, um, an ice dam built up on the chimney breast um, and came through my son's room. And in each incidence, I've basically had the emergency people in here and everything has been cut out. And but actually, I funny enough, my clients say things about getting it treated. And I never think that no. that's not a good idea. Yeah, that, that I, I, for, honestly, studying for four years, I can't say that I have ever heard of a reliable way to treat mold because mm. essentially you kill it and it produces mycotoxins from, you know, what I understand, which are sometimes even more damaging on the health than the mold spores themselves. Hmm. Um, I mean, I think you can definitely, you know, use some, some products to help, you know, if there's, I don't know. I mean, I know that they, there's a, there's a time spray that even the mainstream um, emergency water repair people use here that's made with a thyme oil. And I think that's just to prevent, um, I think that's not so much to kill the mold, but it's to prevent mold ever growing on the materials that they've built it with. But I think the key thing is to cut it out um, one way or another, whether you leave or whether you, whether you get it out. And we've had, you know, the guys that come here know, know our health history and they're prepared to go six feet to the left, six feet to the right, six feet up. Um, and make sure that you know you, mm. you're really getting everywhere that water could have gone. Um, One question I've got about water damage, and I think Elise, you might have first told me this that basically, if you have a water escape kind of situation, um, how long is it that if it's sitting, for instance, you've got a cabinet where the water's escaped into the cabinet under the sink, um, how long? with it sitting in there that you don't know it's there before it's definitely going to grow mold? Is it just, if it, it, if it, it's dependent probably on climate and a little bit and what's, what's encouraging it, but mold can grow within 24 to 48 hours. That's, right. that's the recommendation is that you it's done, but within 48 hours, of course, if any of these water things had happened when we weren't in the house, I wouldn't have caught them you all. Wouldn't have known. Um, and I luckily do know when these all happened because I was here and they were pretty instant, but, um, and they were dealt with within the first 24 hours, but right. um, very often you don't. And that's mm -hmm. where <laughs> building a house or, you know, and not everyone has the luxury of building a house, but building a house using materials that are mold resistant and, mm -hmm. you know, generally they're natural materials 
um, not got paper on them um, and all of that's where you're really your safest because yeah. these things are always going to happen. And well, yeah, that's right. I mean, if you get a water leak and it's ma- and your walls made out of stone, that's no big deal. Most of us don't have why, that. <laughs> yeah. That's why the houses in, you know, these islands in Sicily that have got, you yeah. know, spray spraying up on them all the time. They're made of a stone with a lime plaster and a clay paint and yeah. all of those can that you can basically take a hose inside those houses if you want yeah. and have a party <laughs> and they'll be fine they'll, yeah. they'll tiled floors and you know yeah right radiant things and stuff like that so um yeah i know that's hard because unfortunately conventional building has not gone that way and it does not work in our favor at all um, it's yeah. amazing how the more we know like we seem to you know we think that we progress and that we, we get think smarter. we're smarter and smarter than we are and Exactly, exactly. And you, yeah. you look at all these places where they, you know, still do traditional building and it's basically what we should be doing and yeah. what survives. I mean, I remember looking at one of the slides um, when I was in Santa Fe. It was a picture of one of those, um, a waddle and daub house in Germany beautiful black and white house in Germany, still standing from the 10th century. Um, <gasps> wow. And, um, and they're talking about, you know, that's, that's basically wood with rammed, rammed earth and straw for the insulation, you know, earth wow. and insulation all together. Still standing. And do you know what the, the life expectancy of a standard North American house is now? It's under 30 years. Oh. It's like before you even pay your house off. Exactly. But exactly. That's, that's how we feel here. It's like our house is only 12 years old and we're fixing so many things already. Yeah. And it's just yeah. like, what? who builds these things like this? What's going on? Right. Yeah. <laughs> and the other thing is, and this is the thing that saddens me the most because it's people that think that they're, you know, doing the right thing. Um, and that's what guts me the most because you're like, oh my God, these people are doing this with the right intention. Yeah. Is there, was a, there was a slide of these three kids going out to a playground. Um, I think it was probably in post-war Germany, which is actually where the building biology movement um, arose mm-hmm. um, because they had to put up all this very fast housing. People, yeah, of course. You know, after lots had, lots had gone down and they found that people were sleeping in tents outside, even in the middle of winter, because they could not cope with the indoor air quality inside wow. the house that they put up. Um, terrible. So that, that was literally how building biology, it's actually called Baubiology in German, and that's the original name. That was how it was founded. But the picture was of these kids in this area going to, this, going to a playground, and they were covered in this enormous plastic bag. And, it, you know, kind of a funny picture but the question was we don't do this to our children why do we do this to ourselves in our houses Mm. and this is what's happened with this heavy heavy focus on energy saving which don't get me wrong I'm one of the biggest you know climate people out there but we're wrapping our houses up so so tight with plastic bags Mm. and then trying to mechanically you know, ventilate them mm-hmm. without anyone ever opening a window. I mean, there's not a, I don't drive around any of, you know, any of the yep. houses in my town and ever see a window open here. Ever, I ever, could not ever. believe that when I went to America, we were there from the time I was 16 to 18 and we moved into a house 
and all the windows were nailed shut. And you would <laughs> yeah, there you go. I couldn't believe it in the country, <laughs> Australia, and all the doors and windows are always open, even in winter. Wide open. Yeah, and my door's open right now. <laughs> yeah, I sleep with the door next to my bed open. That's how yeah. I, thankfully it's a screen because there was a snake out there last night. But <laughs> 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 but um, it's just crazy to me. And so we went out, we went around pulling all the nails out of the windows and ripping yeah, them up so, so that we could have them. the windows open. We had the front door open, and people yeah. would walk past our house and just stop and stare because our front door was open because it was open they think something yeah. was wrong they thought yeah. something was wrong and an emergency. and we'd have the garage door open and we'd have the piano out there and we'd be out in the garage playing and stuff <laughs> and th- and we had kids say to us oh you're the ones that live in the house with the door open <laughs> <laughs> there you go well we're the ones that live in the house with the window open yay <laughs> the windows open and i mean it, it gets flipping cold here as you know in yeah. massachusetts but yeah. i still as long as the humidity is not too crazy i still every morning run around the house open at the windows and by the time i finished opening the windows i go around and i close them and i've had yep. an air exchange yeah and i've had natural air exchange and yep. it's not it's not a mechanical air exchange where i'm pulling in stuff under negative pressure through places that I don't want it to come through. It's coming straight in through my windows. Mm. It's clean-ish air, I hope. Um, <laughs> not always. Um, and um, not in the summer when there's lots of pesticide spraying going on. Mm. But, um, but yeah, it's, you know, so here we have these, you know, we're up against the multi-million dollar green movement who are mm. wrapping their houses up so that they meet all these energy codes and, um, operating them through smart appliances and smart this and smart that, which is, you know, letting Wi-Fi. off a massive amount of electromagnetic mm. radiation. And so, yes, it's probably, well, it, it's debatable actually whether it is actually good for the environment because if you think about it, the having to, you know, being forced or being suggested to use things like spray foam to meet the right insulation oh. value, to meet the right energy saving criteria, mm. but when you then wrap that in plastic and you're living inside it, you can you end up living in a, you know, soup of toxins inside oh, with no scary. air exchange and crazy electromagnetic fields because everything is being managed for you because it's yeah. too complicated. It's just yeah. too complicated for anybody to try and understand it. And this isn't just in your home either because then it's considering where your children are going to school mm. and yeah. place as well. Yeah. I know my friend just in her workplace, they just found all black mold all behind <gasps> the fingers in this shop that she works in. Oh, mm. yeah. And it's just so, it's like, where does it end when you're in buildings? Right. Oh, that's the thing I find so hard. Like I, I walked into a chemist or, you know, one of the big CVS or Rite Aid in town the other day and I literally could hardly breathe. Yeah. And I thought, do I tell these poor people? It's so funny. I tell them that they're in this horrific, oh. toxic environment. And it, I know, you, know, you just feel like they're going to look at you it. like a crazy woman. Uh, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And you know what? Right now they're not sick, but they might get sick. And I don't want anyone to go down that path. Oh, that such you, a long journey to heal. Three of us have been down. Yeah, yeah. It's so long to grapple back and get health. It takes yeah. a long time and a lot of dedication mm. um, and a lot of money. I find <laughs> it's funny. Um, I, for for a long time, I've really hated going shopping in malls. I feel like I'm in there for maybe an hour or half an hour and I start feeling really exhausted. 
And right. like, it's almost like I'm overwhelmed as that, that yeah. feeling. I get that too. Yeah. yeah. And I think, um, it, and, and cities is the same. Like I feel like that, but especially in a more with those fake lights and all that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, I think you mentioned somewhere I read something you'd written, Lucy, about fluorescent lighting. Could you maybe talk to us a little bit about how lighting also affects your yeah. environment? So yeah, yeah. So there's there's a um, there's various um, uh, areas. <laughs> Sorry, Please, I should say <laughs> that, come into, that come into the electromagnetic spectrum. So we've spoken a little bit about the wireless radiation that comes from Wi-Fi's and cell towers and phones and stuff like that. And then and there's you yeah, can go right. into more detail about that if you need to, if you like. Um, yeah, I mean that that would be what you know. My advice there would be that well, okay. So there's there's a there's been a huge amount of studies done. I, I, it's, it's hard to know how much detail to go into. I don't want to totally craze the listeners, but <laughs> they're pretty used to our crazy podcast. Don't worry about it. <laughs> there was, um, there's a bio initiative report that was put together in 2007, actually by a building biologist um, and a lot of electrical engineers and um, medical professionals. Mm. Um, and I think there's something like, I know that they, re they, they readdressed it between 2007, 2011, and they added in 1,800 papers. So I can't quite remember how many papers there were to start with, but I think it's 3,000 something papers that um, prove biological harm from this kind of wireless radiation that comes wow. from mm. uh, microwaves, cell phones, cell towers, um, and wireless routers, modems, etc. Smart meters that we now all have on our house to, you know, so that the electrical companies can manage our electricity and figure out how we live our lives so that they can try and adjust it and, you know, energy save again. Um, and um, and there, were, there are two studies which are the two studies that I always tend to talk about. There was one that was funded by the FDA um, and it was done by the National Toxicology Program. It was a $30 million. Um, paper trial that was done um, that was um, basically the outcome was that they had um, they, they looked at the brain and they looked at the heart of these rats and um, there was clear evidence that under this low level of radiation which is called non-ionizing radiation so it's the radiation that doesn't it's said not to heat the cells up but of course mm -hmm. we all know that our phones heat us up and you can, mm. what is it, pop a popcorn from two phones together or whatever. Mm. Um, but, um, but yeah, anyway, they, um, they carried out this amazingly big study that um, unfortunately kind of got brushed under the carpet because it wasn't really the results that the FDA were hoping for. They were hoping to prove that there was no correlation mm. um, between this wireless radiation that's being rolled out without having been tested. Um, and any form of cancers, but it, they came up with this very clear evidence of cancers in the brain and in the heart, which were the only two, I only realized actually up the other day that those were the only two organs they looked at. Uh -huh. So they got, you know, a hundred percent cancer rate in these organs. Um, and then a big study came out of Italy recently. Um, again, another independent study by the Ramazzini Institute, which came up with the exact same results. 
Um, So these are two very important, huge studies that, um, that, you know, I think very clearly, if you, if you don't want to look at the other 3000 papers in the, in the bio initiative report are very clear, um, there's clear evidence that this, that this radiation that is now being, you know, put in everywhere and we're about to get 5g, which is going to be on every third lamppost Mm. has not been tried and tested. Um, so that's where I go back to just turn your Wi-Fi off at night so that you can have a break. And, mm. you know, if you have a chance and you're renovating or, or you even have a chance to move kids around, don't have them sleeping near a smart meter, an electrical smart meter that's on the outside of the house. Um, I mean, even the smart meter companies have a um, disclosure which says you're not allowed to be within 20 inches of it. Mm. Um, but of course, you know, if you're, if you've got a kid sleeping, yeah, yeah, you know, a wall sometimes is not as big as 20 inches, Um, very often not. So, um, so yeah, there's though, that's one big factor of electromagnetic radiation, which I think is becoming more and more a hot topic as we are about to roll out 5g, Mm -hmm. um, as we are noticing that, you know, there's a bunch of situations around the world where kids are getting very sick inside schools and then they happen to realize oh there's a cell tower on top of the school um so there's definitely i think a lot of momentum hopefully unfortunately not enough but um a lot of momentum on that form of wireless radiation then there's um electrical fields which come off the wiring inside the house and this is all down to basically faulty wiring and we realized when we moved in here the old part of the house once I got my meters together and I was able to start measuring um, I'm not an electromagnetic specialist at all but you know I do the basic measuring um, and once I did a little little bit of measuring around of course I found out that there was a electrical fault in the wiring right down my, by my daughter's head where she sleeps mm-hmm. um, and without wanting to go in and, um, and, you know, rearrange existing walls that have been there. And this house is a very, very funny house. And we landed on a house, probably the only house in North America that's made with poured concrete walls um, and not stick construction, which is just crazy to me that, mm. um, you know, I, I ended up in a house like this. And then I started learning building biology because it's definitely a much easier house to manage than a, a conventional stick construction. But, you probably um, knew as soon as you were in it how much better you felt in it than other I guess, maybe, right? There was something yeah, intuitive. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was the couple that owned it used to drive a beautiful Bordeaux Jag and she had gorgeous Hermes headscarves and the place <laughs> Looked like a little Ralph Lauren club, you know, bar. <laughs> I thought it was that, but maybe it just felt, felt good too. <laughs> um, but um, so what we did, I actually got a, um, I got an electromagnetic building biologist specialist for, you know, a few hundred dollars to come and do a comprehensive testing of the house. And mm. she just said to me, listen, just get these kill switches. They're not what they don't work off wireless. They're like little analog kill switches that I have by my bed and I can press on A, B, C, D and I can turn off electrical circuits. Oh, wow. 
Yeah, and they're amazing. They literally cost me $200 to get these little kill switches and have them installed. So, so you just turn them off every night? And so I turn off all... I mean, it's, it's basically a lazy way of going down to your, electri- of going down to your um, electrical oh, box. Electrical box and turning the mains yeah, off. just go to your electrical panel. But if I'm in bed and, you yeah. know, the, whatever. You need the toilet just, and you need to turn it back on. Yeah, or you want to turn it on in the middle of the night because you yeah. want light and yeah. you're worried, like me, that there's a boogeyman in the house. And <laughs> So, um, so yeah, I have it by my bedside. And so the kids sleep every night without any electrical current around their heads. So good. Um, and that's, a, you know, that's kind of a, and honestly, if I told you the amount of times that I've heard of people, you know, from our house is 1947, but even new houses, you know, a friend of mine built a house 10 years ago. And she was quite conscious about all of this stuff. And the wiring is not right in that house either. Mm. Um, yeah. So that's a, you know, that's a really good tip to, um, and you guys are quite lucky. You've got quite a few, I think you've got quite a few building biologists. Yeah, I do. I've interviewed yeah, Nicole. Over here. Yeah. yeah, I've interviewed the um, sort of the head building bi- biologist here. Nicole, and I'll link to that podcast in the yeah. show notes so people can go and listen to that one as well. Because yeah, yeah. she does the courses, what she teaches. Yeah, the trains. Great, it's amazing, and she's Great. written a really good book. Um, yeah. Really, yeah. my friend has done her course, and apparently it's very rigorous. Like, yes, she, I've yeah. got a friend doing it at the moment. And it's so full on. Yeah, I so had much. a Oh, sorry, you go. No, down. go go. Yeah, I, I'm just wanting to know: Have you, like, in your research? research what have you seen about when people have been exposed to emfs like we used to live right near a phone tower probably 100 and 100, maybe 100 meters maybe 150 meters from one right um, when you've been exposed to it is the damage forever like can it be reversed do we know that thanks for listening everyone we will continue this podcast next week um we have a whole nother hour for you and it gets really practical, so don't miss it. Bye. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.